You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with Academy Award winner Javier Bardem on his three roles in being the Ricardos, Dune, and the Good Boss. We've been through worse than this. We have? No. (laughs) Javier, first and foremost, congratulations on your Screen Actors Guild nomination for being the Ricardos. It must be really great to uh, get that recognition from your peers. And I know that you're no stranger to that. Uh, You've been getting accolades all throughout your career. And why not? You're a really, really phenomenal actor. And you have three films this season in the awards season race with being the Ricardos, Dune, and The Good Boss, which is shortlisted for uh, Spain's uh, entry for Best International Feature this year. So all around great success. Uh, You must feel like you're on top of the world right now, right? (laughs) Uh, well, it's 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 very special moment for sure because uh, I had three movies out and mm-hmm. they're so different from each other. Yeah, and from as an actor, that's a gift. It's a bless that you can show three performances that are well different from each other because they they don't have anything to do with each other. The movies that those performances are in and the stories that we're telling. So it's not that I feel like the top of the world. I feel like grab this moment because it's not very common and you have to taste it. You have to enjoy it. Yeah. It means more work, but also means like, wow, uh, what a what a gift to be able to show that. Mm-hmm. Totally. And you're showing sides of us that we have not seen before. Uh, I know that you were already contracted and working on The Little Mermaid uh, when mm-hmm. you started with being the Ricardos, but we got to see you sing, dance mm-hmm. on screen. You got to play some drums. I mean, tell us what that was like, just being able to kind of flex that new muscle of acting on screen. Uh, For me, it was the most challenging part to be able to bring the musicality of Desi into the screen. Mm -hmm. It's not a musical movie. It's it's a movie about many things, but one of the characters is a a musical person, uh, is a musician, and that has to be there. Not only the singing, but also in the way he approached the music and how the music is in his body. Mm-hmm. That's why we added those little dances or movements in him because when I see him on screen on TV in the chapters of the I Love Lucy episodes, you can tell the way he he moves, he's loose, he's, he's a musician. He, he will start singing and dancing in a second. He has it. And that, not only the singing part, the, techni- the te- technicality of it, but to bring that world into my body is what I I, I, I wanted to bring. Mm-hmm. And I loved it because it gives you joy. The music is also, uh, it's so creative, it's so expressive, it's so emotional, it's so alive, it's so in the moment that helped my performance to be that as well. Like be a person as Desi was that was really free enough to express himself with no boundaries, no boundaries, no shame. Uh, He was out of shape and he won't get stuck in his own fears or insecurities or dramas. He will have his flaws like everybody else, but he will overcome it with sense of humor and with rhythm. And I like that. Uh, That was, I guess, one of the challenges for sure. Sure. And we're talking about music here. I understand that you're a metal uh, fan. uh, So am I, actually. (laughs) And uh, you're playing three uh, very distinct characters, as you said before. Um, Curious to know, if you're on set and you're listening to any kind of metal music, uh, what band are you listening for for each one of your characters? 
Absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, when I was when I was uh, playing Desi, I was especially listening a lot of Cuban music from the 60s and the 40s and the 50s mm-hmm. and with Cuban bands. Uh, and also Desi's records, for sure. So there was not much time to heavy metal, uh, uh, except for when I was working out okay. at home. Then, yes, then it will be... The classics, my classics. It was actually was the last album of ACDC, Power Up. I burned that album like it, until it broke. You can tell. I'm sure. I'm sure you yeah. did for sure. Yeah. And then for for Dune, for Dune, I was also hearing some music from from the from the Middle East, some Arabic uh, chants. Mm-hmm. More. It was more. It was more like getting to those slow, nice, very guttural and and uh, visceral kind of animal sounds that there's in some of that in some of that music that takes you to those places in the antique mm-hmm. but uh again when i was working out <laughs> then it will it will come metallica and megadeth and i love pearl jam and i can't wait for them to tour again oh, and, i can't um, wait for live music to just kind of yeah. you know be in full swing again yeah but basically, basically, in those in those in those roles, I've, I try to listen what something that will take me there emotionally mm-hmm. to where to where they they are supposed to be, where they are where they belong. So, would you say music is like a very integral part of your process? Absolutely, that's great. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, it's it's immediate for me. Music is the most uh, rich uh, creative expression and shape of art, the art uh, expression, because it's immediate, it's organic, it's, there's no thought, it's, it really takes you to so many different places in one second. Yeah. And, and I'm a huge, huge devote fan of going to super crowded concerts. <laughs> like I get myself in the line, I get myself right there in the middle. I love it too. Yeah, I love same. to be there and, and be sweated out by others. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Shit. I hope these stems will come back. Jesus. I do too. I do. Uh, I I won't be crowd surfing, but I'll definitely be in those pits for sure. Hanging out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And then um, the other thing too, I wanted to ask, uh, just pivoting a little bit over to Dune. I ask for this. Do not seek our sieges. Do not trespass in our lands. The desert was ours long before you came, so come and dig your spice. But when you have it, go back to this side of the shield wall. I must go. That's all I have to say to you. Part two has been announced. Have you received a script yet? Have you gotten a phone call? Are you trying to work out scheduling? Where are you at in that process right now? Because I know the book. I know Stilgar's got more to do, and I can't wait to see what you're going to bring to it. Uh, thank you very much. You know, and I, I'm not lying to you. I don't know shit. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> it's not that I don't know shit. It's like I know exactly the, the same that you. Yeah. The, the day before, no, 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 the day before, one hour before it was officially announced, I got a text from my uh, agent and friend, Elise. It's coming out. I said, coming out what? <laughs> Even two is happening. Really? And then I was like, yeah. Then I talked to the knee in this. Uh, I've seen him in a couple of uh, awards ceremonies thing when we could go in person. Mm-hmm. And he, I know he told me, I'm writing, I'm writing. He's now writing. And then I saw there is a release date, October yeah. 23. 
in a movie like this big and this complex, I guess it has to happen this year for sure. I heard summertime. I read summertime. Yeah. I'm asking the production. They cannot tell me because I guess they are figuring out how to put such a big thing together with so many agendas, so many uh, schedules yeah. for different people. And I guess it has to be this year. I don't know if it's going to be summer or last quarter. Mm-hmm. But whatever it is, of course, the second half of the book, Stilgar has, has a lot to do with Paul in, in teaching him the ways of the desert. And, and I can't wait to go back with the knee, which is a loving, such a loving man and also so passionate because you can tell he's doing a project of his dreams. Yeah, I agree. So much there, right there. And he's so generous and he's so gratitude. He feels so much gratitude to, towards everyone for helping him doing the, the, one of the, his dreams come true. But it's such a nice energy to be around. And, and at the same time, he knows what he's doing. Jesus, he knows what he's doing. Oh, I'm sure. On a project like this, To a point this, where you, you can do two takes. Mm-hmm. And you go, what? Hey, hey, we're not doing a very de- low independent movie. Come on, <laughs> what's going on here? I got it. I got it. So, okay. <laughs> he knows what he wants. He knows exactly. what he wants. Hey there. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. Well, I can't wait, like I said, to see what you bring to that character for sure. Um, In The Good Boss, uh, you're playing uh, a morally, uh, let's just say, uh, unethical uh, person. uh, And it's a lot of fun. It's a really enjoyable watch. I I quite uh, had a good time with that character and also that premise as well. Um, in this, you're obviously working your native language. I'm curious to know, just like when you go back to uh, those uh, productions outside of the U.S., speaking your native language, what is like the stark difference that you notice immediately right away in how Spanish productions run against American productions? I think, I think... Well, we usually don't have the budget that those movies have. Or mm-hmm. I was coming straight uh, from uh, no, I was going to 
we had an attempt on of shooting Little Mermaid in January 30th, and then, of course, it was canceled. So I had a taste of what it was, the sets, the wardrobe, the thing was so right. big and so beautiful. Then cut to nine months later, shooting in Spain, The Good Boss, ready to, again, try for the second time Little Mermaid. And this is a, a, a modest budget movie, but I guess, uh, I guess at the end of the day, it's the same. It's when they say rolling action is the same. Sometimes you have explosions or you have green screens or, or you're dressed like a man in the desert and there are huge sets like in Dune. But I know for my fellow actors and I that when we talk about this, it's the same fear, it's the same insecurity, it's the same lack of uh, security, lack of uh, owning the role, owning the part. I always feel that I'm the wrong actor to play every part. I've always <laughs> felt that and I will always feel it. It's like, I'm not, I know there is somebody there that can do a better job, but I got it, so I have not to earn it. And the only difference in Spanish is that I can be faster. I can be more flexible in the like with the language. Mm -hmm. I can be more like precise with one word or with what pause or with what color I can give to that word, to that phrase, or to that pause, because I know the language is in my DNA. In English, now it's way better than it was 20 years ago, but still sometimes I go like, for example, with Aaron Sorkin, it's like, wow, 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 this is, this is complex, it's fast, it's, and you have to really say everything that it's as it is written. So that was a challenge as well, to be able to not get caught in the pronunciation of it all. Mm -hmm. like, like, because that itself, is the enemy of acting. Acting has to do with being free, being free to explore, free, free to try different things, feel free to, to, to just say the line from here or from there and, and not getting, getting caught on how to say the line so you mm -hmm. are understood. That still in English gets, gets a little bit too much of attention for me. Sure, yeah. I Grandpa Fred, Grandpa Fred, Grandpa Fred was wrong, Lucy. Yes, he didn't tell you the part where they throw your father in prison for the crime of being the mayor of a city. I was chased to this country, Lucy. Believe me, you checked the wrong box. Um, you, you were alluding to uh, a second there ago, and I've heard you say that uh, line before as well about earning the part, uh, mm. better actors for the role and stuff. I'm sure, you know, you've heard uh, some of the casting uh, concerns about uh, being the Ricardos. Sure. Obviously, you're still getting praise for the role in the end. You're an actor. You're hired to do a job. You did your mm. job. Um, but I'm curious to know, just in regards to, like, people who did cast those uh, concerns, um, mm. you know, what what would you say to uh, people out there who want to see better representation on screen and seeing themselves, uh, you know, reflected? Absolutely. Well, what I would say to them, to them, and especially to the producers and directors, is that mm -hmm. yes, they should, they must. Yeah, of course. And I support that one hundred percent. I mean, I'm a foreigner myself, mm -hmm. and during this process, I said, uh, I know what I'm talking about. I know, I know what they're talking about about not having representation, the minority representation, me as a Spaniard from Spain, in the plus in the 30 plus years that I've been working on this. And I would say since I did before I falls, which is 2000 until today, so it's 22 years. Mm -hmm. I've worked 
I say more often out of Spain than in Spain. I've only played two characters that are from Spain. One is Capitan Salazar in Sparrow's Pirates of the Caribbean. And the other one is with Woody Allen because it happened in Spain and he was a painter. Right. The rest, to find an Spanish character from Spain in a movie that is not in Spain is impossible. It's so difficult. So my career and many of the careers of my fellow actors from Spain, actors and actresses, have been based on playing different uh, different origins mm-hmm. in movies. Most of it Latin Americans and some of them Europeans, mm-hmm. because I cannot play British, but I can play. I can. I think I can play a French or German or uh, Italian or a Swiss accent in English. The pro- So I know what minority is. And we are victims of that. Mm-hmm. If I if I if I could only play Spanish from Spain characters, I would still be waiting. That be, that being said, uh, when some other Latin American actors that live in Spain or come from Latin America to Spain to do as they've done and the, and still they are doing Spanish roles, I am the first one to support that as well. Like yeah, if that's the choice that the director wants after trying other Spanish actors, and if that person, that actor or actress, is really doing a great job on trying to, well, achieve the accent, the manner is, of course, because that's the magic of acting. That's the magic of performing. So one thing doesn't have to go against the other. In this case, with Desi, they went to all the actors, they didn't find it. And then they came back to me and I said, yes, of course, I'll take it. And, and I will work as hard as I can in order to earn it. And I think we have to be careful with trying to frame what we do for a living because acting, it's a, it's, it's a thing that has to do with expanding the boundaries. Mm-hmm. And if we conceive this as a closed patch of only being allowed to represent what you are as a person, where you come from as an origin, what your sexual tendition is, what your accent says of you, if you we that's 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 representing yourself on and on and on and on, which is the different of acting. The different is so different from acting. So one thing which is support that uh, doesn't have to do with the other, which is and in the case that's not happening because because or they they, they haven't found the person they wanted or the person they found is not the person that the director or producer feels is the best option for the role, mm-hmm. then we have to live with that because that's been always the case for actors. So it comes from the top down, basically, essentially, like the decision making. Of, of course, of yeah. course. And we have to support that. But um, I play, I play, I play gay before night falls, second skin, which is a movie in Spain, uh, the ages of Lulu. I mean, Skyfall is not gay. Skyfall was a different. Kind of oh, you're, you are crushing fan theories right now. <laughs> yeah, like he was he was trying to to establish to stabilize Mr. Bond and yeah. sexuality was one, one one tool for that, but it was sure. not listen, of course, if there are gay actors that can do the role and they are openly gay and they're they are proud of being gay as they should, but we know how the life and the world is today. And 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 they should go for them and try to try to cast them. Mm-hmm. But in the case they don't find him, 
then what? Should the movie be suspended? Should the movie be canceled? Should the movie, should the role be erased? No, let's find another actor and maybe he's a straight and can do a beautiful job. Like many gays, actors and actresses have played straight roles mm-hmm. for ages. And also not everyone wants to share her sexuality in public or publicly saying, yes, I want to do it and I am gay. Well, we have to respect that. We have to also be to honor the fact that some are actors or actresses don't want to share that intimacy with producers or with the, the audience. So what I mean is, of course, if there's such a thing, they should be the first option. But if there is, if that person is not the right person for whatever reason, or they haven't found the person, then of course a straight actor should play a gay role. I've played three times and I'm, I will be more than happy to play it again as long as it's, it's, well, it's well written and I think I can do it as I've done it before like three times. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, uh, you've seen your face get digitally altered on screen before. You mentioned Captain Salazar and Pirates of the Caribbean a moment ago and also uh, with um, with uh, Skyfall. And so seeing yourself de-aged, though, in being the Ricardos, what? just tell me, what is what is that experience like? Because I can't imagine what it would be like seeing myself many years younger on screen. <laughs> well, it is funny because uh, it's done in a way. Of course, I have my beard now and blah, blah, blah. But also the make, I lost the weight. I, I get ton. Mm-hmm. I get in shape. I The, the wig was uh, beautiful and beautifully made because it has to be, it had to be, uh, it had to be a wig for the shape of it. It was so distinctive. Yeah. The, the hair of Desi. That it was not easy to do that on a, as a hairstyle in, your, in my own hair. Because mm-hmm. the quality of my hair is very, is very soft, so it doesn't get. Uh, so when I was playing those scenes already, there was a youth in it, and also you're playing younger. Mm-hmm. Not trying to be silly, but you're playing a different energy. So right. when I saw the age, it was like, wow, I see it. It's there, but it wasn't that. I didn't. I didn't feel like it was a huge change. Mm-hmm. I mean, like feels good because you are younger <laughs> but 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 I, I, to me i'm saying to me to myself it was like i wasn't like oh my god what is that no it wasn't that impactful i yeah. thought it was done well very uh, subtle yeah i thought so too so i love to tell to be part of the story to the point where I didn't even realize it was even happening until somebody pointed it out to me after the movie was over. I was like, right, hey, right, really? Right. They, they did that? Right. Uh, but hey, Javier, I could listen to you talk about your roles and your process uh, all day long. You're a phenomenal actor, and I am a big, big fan of all of your work. And I really appreciate your time here today and uh, wish you the best of luck uh, continuing on with uh, Dune, Little Mermaid, and everything else that you have going on in the rest of your career. Thank you very much, my friend. Thank all right. you. Take care. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to my interview with Javier Bardem here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and also on Spotify. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. 
Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the facts from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the allied powers go too far? in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast, is available on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon.